0: afternoon. It's it's, uh, lovely seeing you all. Um, I really loved the scripture you read, Robin, uh, Psalm 103, to start the service this afternoon. And right at the end, it it does say, doesn't it, where you left, that as a father has compassion for his children, God has compassion for us. It got me thinking about Family, it got me thinking about parenting, about motherhood, actually. And an infant relates with its mother in a very unique way. The infant does not always understand the mother. Mom leaves and goes to work. That makes no sense. Mom gives you bitter things that are supposed to do you good, but that I don't want to taste. That makes no sense. Mom takes me to this man who pricks you with needles and I can never understand why, but that is the mother's love. Amen? But an infant also knows with its intelligence that a mom is a source of warmth, of nourishment, of security. So, while I don't understand mom completely, I do know that I need mom to live and to survive. We are continuing today on our series, which is called The Character of God, and I think it's different from any other series we've had, because it's easy to talk about the church. We are the church. It's easy to talk about the mission of God. We partner with Him in His mission. But when we talk about God Himself, I think that's a different proposition. I think that is really, really difficult. Because who is God, and how can we truly know His character? That is, that is a challenge. So, I don't know uh, how I will go today, but it's going to be very tricky to really understand how we can describe him who is indescribable. There are no words, really. Language is created. Time is created. Our God lives out of language, out of time. How do I use language to describe he who with outside of, of creation. I think it's, it's highly limited. It's very, very limited. And I'm going to struggle, so bear with me today, because I've got an impossible task to describe God. He is not describable. It's just as simple as that. Um, we can start by thinking about who actually is God before we talk about his character. There is uh, a, a medieval a theologian called uh, Amsel, and he was trying to really describe, give proof and evidence for why God exists. But what he did do was to describe who God is, and I think his description is actually right. God is a being than which nothing greater can be conceived. So start thinking. What great things can you think about? Imagine, use imagination. How do you imagine love or beauty or glory? God is that which nothing greater can be conceived. I want to challenge you that your imagination combined with mine, all of our imagination put together, is something still that I can conceive. God is greater than that which we can ever conceive. And I think the the imagination of all of creation together still falls short in describing who our God is. So I'm just here to try and get you to see the enormity of the the, how vast, how huge the task is that I've been given today to try and describe the character of God. I do not think it can be done. So God, I don't think, is there to be understood, really. He is here to be loved. Like an infant can relate to a mom whom it knows nothing about, we can, too, know enough of God to relate to Him. Amen? So, uh, let me do something. Uh, Let me promise something before I move on. Right. I think they do this in court, right? And I say, I promise by the Almighty God to tell you the truth. Nothing but the truth, but not the whole truth. So, help me, God. So, whatever you hear today, it's going to be partially true, but not completely true. Because it's impossible with language, it's impossible with minds, it's impossible as humanity to try and really comprehend this God. Amen. Um, so Nancy did a really good, as always, um, something really wonderful last time, but before I go to Nancy, actually I'm not alone in, 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 my, in my promise of giving just a partial truth, because the great apostle, who has been into the third, of, third heavens, I think, told things not to share with humanity wrote this, and he says, we only see in part right now, and then we shall know fully. So I'm saying, if Paul could not grasp it fully, how dare we imagine ourselves that we know this God so well and completely? It is impossible, right? Right, so today we're looking at the Lord is compassionate. When I was typing this presentation, this slide in particular, I put L-O-R-D, And I remember Nancy saying, it's capitals. It is capitals. Because it means something when it's capitalized. It means that he's relational, that he's passionate. He loves us dearly. And he wants to know us in a relationship type way. Amen? So that's the first attribute, actually, Nancy did really well to to teach that to us last time. And say that the Lord, the Lord, is in itself an attribute. And today, we're saying the Lord, the Lord... Gracious and compassionate. And if um, you are not aware already, we are in Exodus chapter 34, and it's verse 6a. I'm saying 6a just to show the first bit of, of the verse. Again, the resources I've been given to try and describe this God are not adequate. It's not even a full verse, it's just a word. So it reads, And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, hallelujah, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, I will do a few things with you today, just three things I want to try and achieve through this talk. The first thing I want to do is to share my understanding of what compassion is. Because if we're going to understand God is compassionate, we need to really agree on what compassion means. The second thing I want to do is to discuss what it means to understand God as compassionate. So what is compassion, and what does it mean to understand God compassionate. Then the final thing is to explore what is expected of us in the light of this truth about who God is, that the Lord is compassionate. So let's move on then. So the first thing is my understanding of compassion. Well, in our era and our time, we have to go to to the internet, and dictionary.com, I don't know how much of a reliable source that is, says this about compassion. It says, it's a feeling of deep sympathy, and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune, accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. A few things to really learn from the word compassion here. I want to highlight that it is deep. It is a deep feeling. It comes from really within one's bosoms. In fact, I'm told that the the Hebrew root of the word compassion has to do with the womb, And the Greek one has to do with the bowels. And we think, and we have a gut feeling right about things. This has to come from the gut. There is something about the depth of emotion that's experienced. The second thing I want to really highlight on this definition is it's about the stricken. The people who are experiencing misfortune, people less privileged than ourselves, people who are marginalized, are the ones for whom compassion is designed. Then the final thing, is the deep desire to alleviate the suffering. Those three things are necessary things for us to experience compassion. If there's no depth of emotion, or there's no vulnerability, or there's no action to alleviate the vulnerability, then whatever we're feeling is not compassion. It might be love. It could be. It could be even kindness. It could be anything else, grace even, but it won't be compassion. Those three things are really necessary for it to be compassion. Here's another author who talks about compassion, and this is what he says about what compassion is. He says, compassion is sometimes the fatal capacity for feeling what it is like to live inside someone else's skin. It is the knowledge that there can never really be any peace and joy for me until there is peace and joy finally for you too two things to really take out of this explanation of compassion the first thing is the ability to live within somebody else's skin if you're going to be compassionate towards me you need to understand what it means to be a a black man you need to understand what it is to be african you need to start imagining what it means to be a father and a nurse what is it like having lost your mom to a pandemic That type of thing is what's going to help you to be compassionate towards me. If you're going to be compassionate towards the homeless, you need to imagine and feel what it's like to be on the street without a home, to live day by day without a base. And if you cannot do that, you can be loving towards the homeless, but you cannot be compassionate towards them. So our God, if he's he's truly compassionate, he must be able to empathize with us in every way possible in all things. Then the second thing to really take out of this description of compassion is that there can never be joy and peace for me if there is no joy and peace for you. So our joy and peace are tied together. If our God is compassionate, then his own rests if one of us is still lost. Peter says he does not don't consider his. You know, delays in coming as he's being slow and uh, taking his time. He's giving time for people to all people to repent because he's compassionate like that. So, in summary, then, what is compassion? I want you to see it as love in action because it always seeks to alleviate suffering. The love has to be acted upon. That's the first thing. It's also fueled by kindness. For you to act in that way, there has to be at the core of that feeling kindness. It is driven by empathy, the ability to understand somebody else's circumstance and situation and context. It is motivated by faith and hope of what can be. So when I see their suffering, I can see that they can be out of sight of this suffering, that there is a hope for them where this suffering is done away with. And so it's based on faith and hope. It is always based on grace, which is the ability to give than deserved. It's also based on mercy, which is the refusal to insist on the punishment that is deserved. Both are necessary for what compassion is. It is also made possible by generosity. It's not cheap. It will cost you something. I will never know how much it costs. That's the song we sang. Because it always is costly, this compassion. So that is what I think compassion is. So moving on to the second um, um, aim for today's talk is what does it mean to understand God as compassionate? And it's really simple. It's really simple. It's really tying into what we understand what compassion is. I think it means that you He actively loves. He just doesn't love you in a fluffy way like I say I do. But he's loving you in a way that actually makes a difference to you. He loves you in a way that makes your life become better, to become better. He's aiming to improve you through his love. It also means that he's driven by kindness. That whatever he's doing, he's doing out of kindness. It is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. He's also motivated by what can be for us. He sees us for who we truly are. He sees us in our perfect forms and he's striving to get us there. In fact, it says in one of the scriptures that actually he gave pastors, apostles, um, uh, prophets to the church so that we can come to the full stature of Christ because actually He is motivated to get us to be whom he has called us and created us to be. He is gracious If he's compassionate, then he's gracious. And it is by grace that I stand here this afternoon speaking to you. What else would I know? Actually, there's no good in me that I should be talking to anybody about anything good. But by his grace, we are made to become worthy, even though we are undeserving. He's also merciful, because actually, in this talk, I may no doubt I'll say something that's not quite accurate. And perhaps that deserving of death would have struck me dead right now because I'm sinful by nature. But His mercy allows me to live on and to enjoy life. That's what it means that He's a compassionate God. He sees our suffering. I don't know, think about it for a moment. What pain are you in? Because we come to church looking cute, we we tied ourselves, we look good, right? Don't we? But truth be told, we all have challenges. Where all have struggles, he sees our suffering. And what does he do? He's motivated to make us better, to alleviate those things. And he longs to relieve us of this suffering. So he came. He, Jesus rose from the dead. He came. But actually, he hasn't really completed all the work right now. We are living in the now, the kingdom has come, but not yet fully ushered in. So there is a time that's coming where all these sufferings are going to be alleviated. Examples from Scripture, because I cannot base it on just dictionary.com, can I? Or this wonderful, wonderful author who talks about compassion. What does Scripture say? Where can we see God as a compassionate God? We read one verse, but there is also the story of Jonah and Christ. Read them together. You will see that they're connected, these stories. God sends his loved one to a people undeserving to serve them. Both loved ones had to die for the sake of the people whom he, whom he was calling to, to repentance. And that is amazing because that's what Christ has done for us. Jonah reluctantly, he went down to the bosoms of the earth and he sees God's compassion in that he was resurrected and brought back to life. Jesus also in the tomb saw God, God's compassion by being resurrected. But God says also in Jonah, how can I, Jonah, allow this great city to be destroyed? He is compassionate like that. How can I allow Pharaoh to be destroyed? So he moves the heavens and the earth for my salvation. That's the story of Christ. That's the story of Jonah. There's also the story of the resurrection of Lazarus. He knew he was sick. He didn't go in time. And Lazarus is now dead. He goes, he goes to, this home, to, the, to Lazarus' home. He sees two sisters, Mara, Martha and, and Mary, both distraught. He, in that moment, experiences death like we do. He sees their pain. And what does the scripture say? It's moved by compassion. Jesus wept. He knew he was going to resurrect, resurrect Lazarus. He knew that. This man is going to come back to life. He knew that. But he felt what we feel. We have a high priest, brothers and sisters, who in every way is able to empathize with our pains and our suffering. And the parable of the compassionate father, other people call it the parable of the prodigal sons. I refuse to call it that. This parable is really about a father who is told by a a child, I don't need you. I wish you a dad. I need your money. And I want to move away from you and go as far away as possible from you. The father is supposed to be furious and angry. That would have been understandable in that culture as well. But what does he do? He says, I'll give you what you want. And he sits every day looking down the road. Peradventure, my son will come back. When he comes back, he's smelly. He's, um, you can't really recognize him. He's thin, he's he's malnutritioned. The father runs. Fathers in this culture do not run. He runs, he embraces him even though he was filthy, and say, clothe him up. You know, give him a ring and let's throw a party. My son is here. He is compassionate. And the other brother is outraged by this compassion. and says, what on earth are you doing? And if we truly get it, guys, we too will be outraged. Jesus speaks of a parable where the laborers were hired and this god kept going to the market and say, are you still here looking for work? Come work in my field. You are here. You need work. Come into my field. He does that until 5 p.m. As long as there are people in need, I'll bring them to work for me. And at the end of the day, he gives them their wage. The day's wage. The others who came at 9 o'clock were outraged. and said, how can it be that you, you reward these people who come in and work for two minutes? It is outrageous. I think I'll go to heaven and I'll think, like, he is here. Oh, my goodness. Because, you know, some people have committed vile things like pedophilic acts. People have murdered others. God is trying to bring them in. And th- that is our God. I feel I'm running out of time. Let's finish this. So, implications then. He sees our pain, and you will act to make it good. So, if you are suffering today, because in this broken world, we will suffer. I, I, I challenge you to pray. Dare pray. Because even though we're not yet in the full yet, in the now, he's still delivering for some people. And he still wants to deliver for all of us. We'll see then in the future fully. But even now, there's alleviation of, of problems that we can get through prayer. So come, let's pray for you. Or pray with somebody else. Restoration and deliverance are at the core of who he is. So if there are things that are a challenge for you, you might be struggling with some habits you can deliver, even today. But as image bearers, actually, there's a challenge for us to be compassionate too. This scripture in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45a, Jesus is just saying, come on, be like your father, be like your father, be like your father, be compassionate, is what I will say to you. Um, I will not go through everything, but I can see Robin's face saying, time is up. Right, the story of the Good Samaritan is a story of um, three people who walked a path where they came and saw a a body that was almost dead. Somebody's been robbed, left for dead. And a priest, who's a really good man, came and said, I think he's dead. I'm late for church anyway. I better go. And he rushed. And another good man, a Levite, came also and was like, what can I do? You know, I better be safe. He made this journey to where he was going. But a sinner, a Samaritan, had compassion. He understood what it might be like if it was my brother who was lying there. You could feel the pain for this man. And what did he do? He lifted him up onto his horse. If it had one horse, it meant perhaps he had to walk while this body was carried by the horse. He went to an inn. And he paid two denarii, which I now know is two days' wages. You know, so he paid quite a bit of money for the innkeeper to look after this man. And he had to change his program. Was two days later, he came back to check on him. And Jesus said, go and be like the good Samaritan. Because we are called to be compassionate. Then the parable of the sheep and the goats. Jesus said, when I come back in glory, I will separate people. Some people will be sheep. Others will be God. And you say, I'll say to, to both people, to both sides, I was hungry. You gave me no food. I was in prison. What were you doing in prison? You, what did you want me to do? Go to prison? Yeah, I was in prison. You did not visit me. I was homeless. You offered me no help. It's not like I was in prison and you scolded me or you, you, you put some bad gossip on social media. No, no, no. You did me no harm at all. But because you did not help me, you failed me. So we are called to be like our father, to be compassionate, make a difference to others. Then, obviously, there are a few examples you can look. Zipporah was uh, Moses' African wife who has nothing to do with the covenant. But Moses had forgotten to circumcise his two sons. God was going to destroy Moses. Zipporah took um, a stone and circumcised the boys to serve his, to serve his husband. That's an act of compassion. There's Ruth who goes with this widow who could give her nothing. In fact, another, another mouth to feed. And that's a beautiful story of compassion. Boaz, when nobody would look after this widow, Boaz said, I'm a kissman, Redeemer. The widow, Zarapath, when she had nothing else to eat except one meal for her child and herself to eat and die, she offered it to Elijah. Dorcas was raised for looking after widows. Compassion is what we are called to, 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 to be. Jesus, summarizing, I will leave you with these words from Luke chapter 10, verse 37. Which of these three, the Levite, the priests, or the Samaritan, do you think was a neighbor, The men, the educated, the religious, or the sinful, who fell into the hands of robbers. The expert in the law replied, "The one we had mercy on him." That word "mercy" is the same word. The one who was compassionate towards him. Jesus told him, and I think Jesus is telling you, "Go and do likewise." God bless you.